Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change Change their their lives lives forever. forever. Well, it didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and fighting our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. Love it. Good morning, Jeffrey. Welcome back to Public Access America. <laughs> Good morning, Jason. I think we're still on uh, HR1, but there was... Um, We also want to cover a bit what was going on during the week, and I also had a question for you about what uh, I wanted to ask you about what a libertarian was, and yeah, I wanted to, we wanted to talk about how voting reflects on, um, sorry, I lost that one, I had it. (laughs) How how voting and, and, you know, election security kind of roll into each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. HR one over here, it has like a, a provision, we'll call it, for defending our election security. And I it's a super hot topic. And I think people are misinformed on on both sides of kind of what's going on, what intelligence communities do, and you know, what the what the president prefers to know. And what what the question is like they don't give they don't give the president information about Russia because he doesn't like hearing about information from Russia. So they should be forcing it down his throat and shouldn't they just be doing their jobs? Well, I think 
<sighs> you know, the tantrum in chief tends to, uh, you know, he only does what he wants to do. And, and I, I think it's, it's kind of one of those things, like if, if you've ever been around, you know, a specific type of kid where the more you want them to do something, the more they, you know, scream and yell that they're not going to yeah. do it and pound their fists on the floor and kick and scream. And ugh. that's basically what we have as a 74 year old man. You know, he doesn't, right. he doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to do it. He thinks somebody else should handle it. And he's just going to, you know, make the sound bite that we all end up, you know, skewering him over and his, you know, as his, his, press secretary and press aides good grief they've that has got to be the worst job in the world right now having to be like well no when he you know when he didn't you know denounce white supremacy what he meant was i'm sorry no 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 there's no what he He said sure (laughs) will you want will you denounce white supremacy sure you know but then he's like just shut up tell me who tell me who tell me who (laughs) right you know, and, and, and I think that's one of those things where, you know, any president or president, uh, pr- presidential candidate could have easily just looked at the camera and said, you know, white supremacy ain't welcome in my party. You know, right. end of story, period. You know, you, you wouldn't have to name drop. That's yeah. just the thing is the overarching, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Proud Boys or the Klan or neo-Nazis, you know, you didn't have to name drop. You just had to simply say... I denounce white supremacy. It has no yep. place in, in modern America. Or they can support who they want, but I do not support them. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, I think that's one of the things that when, it, when we look at why, um, why we have such a problem with candidates doing some of the things that they're doing, it's because we're, we're expecting specifics when specifics aren't necessarily needed, right. <laughs> you know? Like it's, and so with, with, with that whole issue, he really just completely, uh, I, I would say sh- showed his colors <laughs> or color. Yeah. I think he did the, I think he did the whole debate. I just, what I think is that uh, most of America didn't even pay attention to Donald Trump until that debate, but it was on ABC and they were home, they were watching it. And this mm-hmm. is like the first real experience they have outside of sound bites in their local news about Donald Trump. And so I, I, I think that was his plan. I think he tried burning down the debates so that he didn't have to have another one so that everybody would say no. And I, so I think we need to keep going because I think a town hall scares the fuck out of that guy. You know? Well, you know, imagine, you know, especially where they're looking at, you know, you know, shutting the mic off on the other candidates. So that way they can get their point, you know, when you look at the history of, you know, the presidential debate or what they call a Lincoln Douglas style debate, there's supposed to be point counterpoint rebuttal and then, you know, redirect. Basically it's just, you're supposed to be able to have this verbal chess match uh, with your opponent and be able to verbally put them into a corner that's indefensible. And that's right. You know, as someone who's done, you know, debate style stuff, you know, and done public speaking, this is definitely not what that was, you know, not what that was. No, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen less chaos at a, at a family dinner where the two sides absolutely hate each other. (laughs) Right. And I, I thought to myself, 
why are they scheduling this so late at night with two just like senior two elders i think is the word now two elders they're in they're in their high 70s you know and mm -hmm. like it's so late i i'm not surprised donald trump was naturally crabby you know and i'm i see why joe biden would have snapped but i just right. what was anybody supposed to do that was the plan going in was just to destroy the the debate altogether you know, and, and really, you know, when you look at the history of the debates, it was more about being able to, you know, take those undecided voters or those that you, you know, may not necessarily be like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm a Republican, but I'm really struggling to support this candidate and get them to defect over to uh, your party or vice right. versa. It's, it's, you know, it's about, it's about courting, you know, the undecided and those who and the ones that are unhappy getting them to defect right. and there was like none of that no strategy there was there was no speaking to the greater public uh you know as it is in trying right. to court votes it was i mean uh, the best way i knew how to describe it was you know an elderly dick measuring contest that ended with someone taking a fat shit on a microphone. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's bad when, when CNN actually gets to describe the debate as a shit show and right. that's the only words that they have for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was, but, it was a difficult thing. Yeah. And you know, when you, you know, especially, I couldn't imagine being an undecided voter at this stage in the game. Okay. Because after, after seeing that, you know, if, if I hadn't decided on who I was voting for, I would be like, no, nah, I'm staying home. I yeah. can't vote for either of these two. Right. I actually think it created more undecided voters, actually. I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think in in the debates, the I think the only place where you're going to see an actual debate is going to be the vice presidential debate. I think that's the only place where you would actually see a real debate. Pence can actually talk and speak and debate, and so can Kamala Harris. Yeah. But Pence so, doesn't have many truths to fall back on. That's the problem. But he speaks to he speaks to the hardcore Christian right. So it's it's not about it's not about the truth so much as it is about you know being able to paint your opponent as wrong. You know if we lie if we once again it's, it's that simple binary that we all try to rely on is is that if if someone if you've got two options presented to you and one of them is wrong the other one has to be right. Yeah, right. And that's and that's and that's all they're going to try and do. That's all they try to paint it as is that this person is wrong, therefore I am right. Whether or not the other person is right is is you know most people don't think that far, you know. So, so it's basically going to be an hour and a half of she's a baby killer, I have God on my side. Uh-huh, pretty much. Yeah. And it's, you know, going to be an hour and a half on her side of, you know, you know, these people are the ones that are trying to, you know, keep black people locked up and I'm out here trying to actually reform the system. Don't look at my prosecutorial record. <laughs> right. Well, I will say that she is anti-death penalty and she's stuck to that in a, in a tough time. You know what I mean? Oh, man, death penalty is one of those ones that that is where you can make some enemies. And mm. yeah, I've, I've told people it's like, you know, everybody has their reasons for opposing the death penalty or, or, you know, supporting the death penalty. And 
when I tell people that I don't oppose, you know, I oppose the death penalty, but not for the same reasons as other people, they kind of look at me sideways. They're like, well, what do you mean? When you look at the cost of trying to get someone to the execution chamber, you're spending far more than you are on them sitting their life in prison. That's right. And on top of that, you know, there is, there are so many cases that are just, they got it wrong. You know, you got so many innocent people that are, that are, you know, being released decades after the fact, Right. you know, it's, to me, it's not about whether or not, you know, you know, someone who's done something horrible, you know, whether their life matters or not. I mean, they're, you know, some people are, you know, they're irreparable. There, there is, you know, the, their debt to society is permanent. You, you're not going to be able to rehabilitate them to get them back out into everyday life. Period. End of story. But the amount of money that you're going to spend trying to execute that person is more than I would say their life is worth. Yeah, I think you know? Tim- Timothy McVeigh said that you know death was uh, freedom for him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, killing killing doesn't change that i remember a movie time to kill matthew mcconaughey Mm -hmm. i don't have a problem with the death penalty i just have a problem with the fact that we don't use it enough (laughs) and i i my and my problem is is that it's often you know like they found out here in washington it's applied uh in a racially unequal manner so yeah you know when you have you know, when you have far too many people being executed that are innocent, that is, that's a problem. Right. So, you know, to me, just the sheer fact that so many of them get it wrong and, you know, I don't, and the other thing I always point out to people is, is that it's not that they always get it wrong. That's, uh, that is not the case. You know, it's that there are plenty of cases out there that they got it wrong. Oh, sure. You know, and unfortunately, you know, when you look at the justice system and you, you know, somebody, somebody being um, indicted and um, named guilty of a crime they didn't commit is a serious problem in this country. You know, it, that should be a serious problem in any country, and especially, you know, when the death penalty is on the table. Sure. And, and, and that's where, you know, once again, you know, yeah, there is a federal death penalty. Uh, that's a whole different matter. Mm. But at your state, you know, guess what? You can, you can vote for the people who are going to uphold or put moratoriums on the death penalty. And, you know, that's, you know, once again, getting back to where we talk about local politics and voting. Yeah, yeah. You know, people in their state have the ability to, con- you know, to control that. And it's, you know... Everybody wants to try the moral objective, you know, and it's funny when you have the thou shalt not kill, but oh yeah, by the way, state sanctioned murder. I mean, right. that's, you literally just call it what it is. It is state, it's state sanctioned murder. Yeah, but a lot of things could be if you stretch the definition far enough. So I think, oh, absolutely. I think people are dying all the time, not only because of the government, but also because of other people. So absolutely. I mean, killing people because they murdered or they're rapists or they're pedophiles. That doesn't bother me a bit. You know what I mean? And, and to me, it's, you know, it doesn't bother me one bit either. You know, it's the people that are being, you know, executed that, you know, didn't deserve to be on that, right. in, on that well, room. Yeah. So, 
But even still, like from a conservative standpoint, to me, the money that is spent is, you know, when you want to when you want to complain about, you know, why aren't why aren't people getting better representation? Well, when you got, you know, people like, for example, California has three inmates that they've been trying to execute. That's cost the state over a billion dollars. That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Why? That's a problem. Why do it? Why not just let them rot? Right. Exactly. You know, at that point, it's like, you know what? that their life is not worth that much and and mm-hmm. i know that there will probably be people that are absolutely shocked to hear that and that's from a financial perspective it's just not worth it there are there are innocent people accused of crimes where that money could have been used to afford more legal representation at a state level or a local mm-hmm. level to to help the people who you know really do need that help yeah and so I, i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty open in the fact that I think our prisons should be more like colleges than prisons, you know, than storage containers. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you call it the department of corrections, then there better be some sort of correction. The correction isn't just sitting your ass in a cell. Right. I think we should turn that over to the department of education is what I'm saying. I, do, I wouldn't disagree with you uh, one bit, you know, it's an opportunity for, for people to grow and learn how to, learn how to be part of society. But I also, you know, also too, though, it's as society, we have to change things as well. Like the acceptance of people who have been in jail, um, coming back and being able to be employed. That's got to change. Agreed. That's, that's on us. Yeah. And that's the people. That's what we talk about, getting them the right to vote again. But I do want to, I want to, I want to touch on something in the debate that I think is really important that I don't think people got any information from, but I think everybody in America was on the edge of their seats. And it was about dismantling the ACA and mm-hmm. that Republicans have a plan. They have a plan. <laughs> and don't. Joe Biden, so everybody assumes Joe Biden is the radical left and he's going for Medicare for all. When the truth is, is his baby is Obamacare and he wants to expand that. He doesn't want Medicare for all. But... Right. The Republicans do have a plan. If you've listened, if you've listened and paid attention, it's this a la carte formula where you mm-hmm. get to guess at what you're going to cover. You know, you can cover yourself for one thing for ten dollars a month, but you might get something else. And and so what they want to do is eliminate pre-existing conditions to create a premium on those. So now they can charge $50 for that. But then it's, it's this a la carte thing. And so if you're not sick, if you're, if you're healthy, then you can just get the standard $25 a month insurance that barely covers anything, you know, with a high deductible, or you can go with Joe Biden who just has that ACA plan, which is the, which is the premiums. I mean, the deductibles are still super high, and you a lot of people can't afford that stuff. So, right. I just wanted to say there is plans, and if we dig deeper into that, I think it might be helpful for people. You know? Yeah, you know, with 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 the GOP's plan, um, they're I think what they call it America One or something like that. <clears throat> You know, this this idea of, of this a la carte coverage, you know, I can already tell you right now that some of the first things that are, are not going to be covered are any sort of contraceptive. 
period of the story. They won't do it. And, and, you know, there's plenty of data out there that shows that when you have sex education and contraceptives available, the number of abortions that happen go down period. End of story. Stop them before they happen. Exactly. You know, this is, this is one of those things where, you know, this is why when it comes to, you know, abortion, uh, abortion is usually better under Democrats, you know, lower be simply because, you know, the available of, of contraceptives uh, absolutely changes the game. Yeah. Being able to, you know, prevent pregnancy, you know, everybody, you know, when you, you have this argument of, oh, well, you should just accept the consequences. It's like, you know, I, I hear that so many times. And despite, you know, all of my efforts to say, you know, sometimes, you know, those consequences are literally nothing more than I was a female. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and, and, and that's unfortunately until something happens to them, you know, they don't support that. Or, you know, my personal favorite is when one of them accidentally knocks up their mistress, suddenly abortions on the table. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it, okay, come on, hypocrite. Listen, it's like, I think, and then I think one of the things that the left has to come to terms with, and uh, I don't think that the left does a very good job of, of arguing this is, is that yes, you might say it's only a mass of cells that you're aborting, you know, at a certain point, but you are still aborting a living thing. Period. End of story. When? I mean, when, when does it become a living thing when it's two cells? Well, you know, that's, that's the great op. That's the great topic because guess what? You know, we, we define living things as just one singular cell. So, that's true. That's true. So, you know, it's that whole argument of, of science in that, you know, you can't just selectively apply a definition. You can make the argument as to when it becomes a viable human life. Absolutely. Oh, that's but, true. But it is still life. And I think that's one of the things that we try and we try and dance around. But but the right has this idea that like you know the left are going out and getting abortions for fun like this is just some sort of you know great American pastime that they don't yeah. like. It's the next gun debate, right? Exactly. Uh, it's it's yeah. You know, and and the reality is, is if you don't want abortions, then there has to be comprehensive sex education. There has to be comprehensive contraceptive coverage and male contraceptive research. And I want mm, yes, I just want to put in here that like. I have the saying that if, if, if we considered masturbation abortion, it would be fine. It would be legal everywhere. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Yeah, so You'd be again, able to do it on your local street corner. Again, like before thinking about abortion, think about abo- before the abortion. You know what I mean? And, I, and that was definitely like, you know, in terms of, you know, talking points, that's how Ruth Bader Ginsburg got a lot of her laws passed was, is that, you know, it wasn't about here's how this is adversely affecting women. It was, here's how this could adversely affect men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and suddenly men were like, oh yeah, no, we totally need to fix that. And it opened the door <laughs> for, 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 for women's rights to be equal, you know, as, as equal as they are, right? you know. Some rights are just more equal than others, I guess, but you know. And so on the other hand, this Medicare for all thing, right? Because I watched this neat video and it was really explained and I can't find the video again, but it was by Ayanna Presley. And she explained how 
if you restructure the system, there is so much money for it. And then, so she explained mm -hmm. where it's actually beneficial for everybody because we're eliminating the other costs and rolling them into the single cost thing. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, the insurance companies don't have to spend as much, which means they don't have to charge as much. And then I thought to myself, well, if the VA sucks so bad and they have a $36 billion budget, why wouldn't we just add that in? Why is it Medicare for all, but VA for veterans? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there would be so much money for Medicare for all. And I know we're not talking that, that right. this, this term, that's never going to happen with Joe Biden. No. no, it will not. I, and, and I think one of the, one of the biggest issues, you know, with, with any national health system, and you see this, you know, a, across the world with national health systems. Yes, you have you have people who don't go broke, you know, because they have medical issues. That's absolutely true and that's absolutely the case. But where they do struggle is getting you in to see, you know, just your, you know, your standard stuff. Interesting. You know, so so you have this you have this balance of, you know, you can't get in to your primary care say once a year. And you're stuck, you know, trying to find a place, you know, kind of like an urgent care to try and get in. Your your times to get into a doctor are actually, I would say, we're starting to look at more akin to what national health services across the world look like. Is, is that, you know, you're booking appointments months out. Hmm. And so, you know, and ultimately that's where your lower cost is, is going to your primary care physician. But if you have to wait four months in order to get in, that's a problem. I wonder if that's, I, mean, I saw something about a whistleblower we were talking about. He was the guy that created the propaganda about the Canadian healthcare system, mm -hmm. you know, and it, that was one of the talking points he said he had, but so I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, how much of that is true? Because I've heard, I've heard so much about that. You know what I mean? You know, and, and having had, you know, having friends that live, you know, overseas across the country, it's, you that know, helps. It, it does. It's, there is some credence to it. Of course, you know, the, the, it always gets skewed, you know, way out of whack. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, I would say that our, our times have become more akin to what you see across the world now, you know, where you, you know, in order to get into, you know, your normal everyday doctor, you know, where your lower costs are, you're scheduling months out. And then when you have something come up, you just have to go to urgent care. And I think, I think honestly, that's where telemedicine is bridging the gap is, is being able to just, you know, call into your telemedicine line saying, Hey, I got a cough or I got a cold or I, yeah. you know, this is what I think is going on. I just need a broad spec spectrum antibiotic to get me over this. It's like, there's yeah. no need to go sit in the hospital and wait for someone to see you. You don't need, you don't have a broken bone. You're not looking for painkillers because I can't prescribe that stuff over right. you know, anything that's, you know, going to be a, you know, a schedule one drug is not going to be something you can get, you know, over telehealth. Right. And I think, and I think that, you know, so I would say one of the things that, you know, Trump has gotten right is the expansion of, of telehealth. 
and that I would say is more the hospitals pushing it than than yeah. Trump. I don't think you know it. it was out of necessity because doctors can just schedule these tele- telehealth meetings around the clock. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and it it reduces their overhead. You don't have mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's really easy, especially like you know I I've, I know a couple of people that yeah you know, uh, they're just internal medicine doctors and that's exactly what they do is you know instead of having to you know work at a family clinic they can work from the comfort of their home being a telemedicine doc saying okay yeah it sounds like you need to go you know it sounds like you need to get a broad spectrum antibiotic here's what i'm going to write you a prescription for or no you need to go see your primary care physician for that i can't prescribe that or you Mm -hmm. need to get your get your ass to an emergency room i can't help you you need to go now exactly and i think they should call that app medbook you know, it's to me, it's, you know, being, you know, being able to rapidly expand that is going to be important. You know, we've got mm-hmm. all of this technology available for us, you know, where you've got so many people having smartphones or a laptop or a Kindle or anything that can, you know, that can connect you to another person. Right. We just need to expand broadband. Like Absolutely. All over. And, and that's expanding too. And it is, it's, it's expanding in ways that, you know, it's even hard for me to comprehend, like with, you know, you know, satellite internet now being, you know, almost as fast, you know, latency wise as a landline, mm. you know, landline is always going to be the fastest because you're not having to, you know, bounce things around, but you know, yeah. the amount of technology we have just is incredible. Uh, but the biggest yeah. issue is going to be security you know, keeping your, you know, keeping your medical appointments secure. So that way, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it's funny because we always keep coming back to security, we you know, keep giving it up for, for fun, for things, just things. to sit on Facebook. We gave up our, our rights and our shit just to sit on Facebook, you know what I mean? Uh, and you and you see every you know every so often you see someone you know post that whole I do not give Facebook permission to post my blah 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 and it's like it you obviously work. don't yeah you don't you didn't read this no. that's not how this site works in order in order for you to be a part of the site you had to agree that Facebook could use whatever you post oh yeah and not only that but you agreed in your iPhone terms of service that they could do that that they right. could access your Google and your Facebook and your Twitters and all your social media but right. we give we give this stuff up and for privacy and security, but it's, we don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, enemy of the state. Maybe all we have left is what's in our head and maybe that's enough. You know what I mean? And eventually we won't even have that. I mean, right. you've got Elon Musk working on, you know, that whole neural link thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, man, I feel sorry for anybody who gets to see what's inside my head. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but then uh, that's Medicare for all. And then, so Joe Biden has this exchange idea where it mm-hmm. seems to be like tiered. Like mm-hmm. if, if you don't have it, if you qualify for Medicaid, which I don't, then you'll just be accepted on Medicare. But I'm already on Medicare, so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me. And I want people to know before you consider this Medicare for all or, you know, getting into Medicare at the bottom rung, it doesn't cover a lot and there's no. a giant donut hole and you end up paying quite a bit of money. I think the one year I spent over $9,000 on healthcare and I didn't have a surgery or anything that year. It's just yep. the medications get out of control. The prices get out of control. Yep. They, they, they don't cover 
as much as you would think. And so we need to reform Medicare before we start bringing people onto that bus. Absolutely. But then there's other tiers where you start to pay a premium and Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, and, and, so one of the things that I tell people, you know, when you look at the whole issue of Medicare for all versus, you know, your everyday, you know, your standard of care here in the United States, people have this misconception that, you know, that all of these individual corporations can do everything better, faster, cheaper. Well, the reality is, is, is that when it comes to, you know, contracts, contracting every, you know, any business person knows that the larger an entity, the more buying power leverage that they have, the more price negotiation they have. And so, you know, if you're going to be leveraging, you know, that purchasing power, the federal government is exactly the agency that can leverage that person, that purchasing power, because there is nothing bigger than the federal government. Right. So I think that is one thing like in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you drop the costs of, you know, medication in this country? It's by leveraging the power of the federal government. And and that's just one thing that's not done very well at this point, because you couldn't, you know, rather than leveraging that just for the people who are on, you know, Medicare, you could be leveraging that for anybody within the country that, you know, Granted, you know, some people would see that as a huge expansion of government. I, I would also see it as, you know, instead of, you know, a hundred, you know, a thousand different agencies trying to, you know, buy the cheapest version of, you know, generic X, you've got one federal agency buying as much of, you know, generic X and then being able to distribute that out from there. I agree. And I think that's what, that's what government is there for, you know? And I was trying to figure this out, and I actually believe that I deserve free insurance because both Joe Biden and Donald Trump have free insurance that we pay for, mm-hmm. and I want it too. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not worse than Joe Biden or Donald Trump. I'm, I might be an equal, and I deserve mm-hmm. the same thing. If I'm paying for their insurance, then there should be a way where they're paying for mine too. You know, what I, I, I I personally subscribe to my mom's philosophy of you know if if you're going to mandate a health coverage, then then whoever's in office gets that same health coverage that they've mandated, yep. because I guarantee you the first time they get the the bill sticker shock that any of us have gotten, they'll be fixing that real quick. Right. That's exactly my point. They should have to, they, we should be equals because everybody in the Senate, retired senators, retired congressmen, these people get their stuff for life. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of crazy to me that like so many people don't have insurance and these guys voting on it will never lose it. Exactly. They, you know, the stuff that they're voting on, they never have to partake in. And that to me is, I think one of the biggest, you know, crimes that there is because I guarantee you nothing would get the left and the right together. The moment that either one of them, you know, end up with this horrific bill that, you know, like I had gotten, you know, funny, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, I was on, um, marketplace health coverage, uh, last year, uh, for my wife and kids. Mm. And what I figured out was, is that I spent $12,000 last year just on health insurance premiums. Yep. And my youngest ended up in the ER. 
And out of the $12,000 that I spent, I got $200 worth of coverage. I had to pay an additional 18, you know, our family had to pay an additional $1,800 out of pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about what does a scam look like? (laughs) Exactly. That, you know, meanwhile, like, you know, everybody who's got car insurance, man, you know, when my car got totaled because someone hit me, you know, I had a $250 deductible and I got, you know, the value of my car back. Right. And yet you, you still know. you still need to have coverage for your vehicle in case the engine blows or the transmission. And now you need a warranty. How many insurances do I need on insurance, Jeffrey? Oh, you know, just the, the, sheer, the sheer amount of coverage that we pay for and don't get. Yeah. It, you know, basically all you're doing is you're feeding the salaries of executives and, you know, everyday people that, you know, are the ones that are filling out forms and, you know, moving uh-huh. your claim along, you know, when the reality is, is that unfortunately, you know, it, unless, unless health coverage starts to look like auto insurance where, you know, my, my rate's pretty low, but I got pretty good coverage, right? you know, and, 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 Granted, now where I work, I have really great insurance that, you know, I don't have to pay for. That still leaves a lot of people out there that pay a lot of money for not really all that great coverage. And, and, right. and to me, it's that, you know, I think, I think the biggest, I think the biggest issue that I've had with the left and, you know, the ACA is, has been that it's like, oh, we have all of these people covered. I'm yeah. But the people... What? Yeah, but the people, they may be covered, but they either A, can't afford the premiums, or B, can't afford the bills that they get because their insurance doesn't cover anything. Or both. What is that where you think you have insurance and then you get this $90,000 bill after everything, you know? Right. That's, you know, that's not coverage, you know? That's not coverage. Because they're deciding what to cover after the fact by doctors that are setting, setting their own, their own prices there's doctors within emergency rooms that are private entities that walk around and try and get you to have a test that you don't need that the, that the hospital isn't prescribing but this this random private entity walks around and does that well and and, and here's an even bigger problem this is something that you know actually happened you know um, at the place that i worked is is that um, one of the hospitals that was in our network, you know, they couldn't afford to have their own emergency department because they're right. rural, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Well, guess what? There are companies out there that specialize in providing you know, emergency departments. Now, what you don't know and don't realize is, is that, you know, you break your arm and you have to go to the emergency room because the bone is sticking out. You have coverage from, you know, your local state entity or whatever. So you go and go, you go to the emergency room, get that bone set and get fixed. And then you come to find out that your emergency department is out of network. Yep. Because that, because that company is out of network. And to me, I'm like, wow, that is like the biggest amount of fraud ever. That is just, exactly. you know, so when, when the Democrats are screaming that everybody's got coverage, I point to stuff like that. And it's like, no, that that's not coverage. That is not the definition of coverage. It is not. It's like, okay, yeah, I, you, I, you say I'm covered, but if I can't go even just to my local doctor and get, you know, a local care to actually have my insurance applied, mm-hmm. that's not coverage. You can tell me I'm covered all day, 
but when I'm paying $12,000 a year and an extra $2,000 for the emergency that I had right. on, to, to get $200 off, like this coupon sucks. I could have, I could have not paid $12,000 and come out $10,000 ahead. Yeah. So when I look at, when I look at that kind of stuff, it really is frustrating. And, and to me, that's why I honestly see that we have to shift it not to, I think that the ACA has some great guidelines, but I think in terms of insurance, it absolutely sucks. I agree. I, I think that, was that my if you're point going with the, with the Medicare for all, by the way, that, that was my yeah. point was that, that the low tier is not, it's, it's not Hulu plus, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, and to me, you know, where I see that this really could change is, is where you look at uh, doing what I would say is a, is a, a national uh, HSA system where, you know, much like you're paying for, you know, insurance right now, you, you pay a lower amount for, you know, specific coverage, but you're allowed to dump as much money into your HSA as you want federally untaxed. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? If you've gone to a doctor to pay, guess what they do? A lot of the times if you're paying right then and there, or, you know, immediately once you get the bill, they're giving you a significant discount off the bill because number one, they're not having to argue with insurance about what their rate of reimbursement is. Mm. So you're dropping the cost of coverage because guess what? You're cutting out the insurance middleman. And on top of that, you're, you're reducing the amount of taxes that you pay because now that health savings account that you have to use only for health stuff, allows you to not have to get double dipped, you know, pay taxes and then, oh, by the way, pay medical supplies or, yeah. or pay the insurance agent. You know, we, we kind of, we, we've talked about, you know, what a hybrid system looks like. And I think sure. that there is room to improve mm. where, you know, you, let's say that you're, what you would do with an HSA, for example, is, is that with a federal HSA system is, is that 80% of what I pay in goes into my account and the other 20% goes into a general fund. So that way people who, you know, can't contribute as much or aren't able to contribute, at least there's a pool for them. So kind of like what we do with insurance as it is, you know, you're paying not just for your own coverage, you're paying for other people's. But if you look at it more on a cash basis, like an HSA, I think that you're going to be able to afford more services, more coverage by switching to a method like that because you're cutting out so many middlemen. And mm -hmm. when you look at a cash-based system, it's always cheaper. Okay, I'll go with that. Does that earn interest? To me, I think it should, absolutely. I think I think it should earn interest, and I think that you should also be able to pass that on to your kids should you die. Okay. I think initially it would be a hard thing to install because for the first few years until people start, people are having a hard time saving up as is, you know what I mean? Right. So saving up in the current system would just be an impossible thing. It's like, but I, I get what you're saying. It would be more like a 401k but not mm -hmm. tied to the stock market, you know what I mean? Not tied to the stock market. You know, you're not going to be making gangbusters on interest. It's, you know, and, and I would, you know, also say that you need to put a provision in that the federal government can't borrow against it. Yeah. Looking at you, social security right. and, and make it so that way, you know, people are able to, people are able to afford their basic services. Like, 
you shouldn't have to pay $12,000 for a $200 off coupon of your next $2,000 bill that you get surprised with. That's right. And you shouldn't have to get an MRI on one area just to get an MRI on a slightly higher area just to get an MRI on a slightly higher area. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We can, we can dive into that all day long, but you know, but you know, the biggest cost centers that you have to look at cutting out are your insurance middlemen. Your, your, uh, and then the other one is, is like your, your insurance premiums on doctors and malpractice insurance, because that's gone through the roof. Hmm. To me, that should be, you know, I think if there's one place where the federal government could intervene is in the amount of, you know, uh, malpractice coverage because that is a huge cost center and that's having served as a data analyst for 15 hospitals the amount of coverage on malpractice insurance if you want to know why your 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 doctor visit for 15 minutes is 150 bucks that's why that's why yeah and 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 that's the and that's the unfortunate part is is that you know everybody wants to sue the doctor for malpractice whether or not the doctor did anything you know Hmm. wrong you know, you didn't like the outcome, but yep. then again, you know, there are doctors out there that have to be sued for malpractice. You know, we experienced that with my grandfather, um, that, you know, and the VA. So, yeah. but isn't that why we, isn't that why Donald Trump was elected? Cause he was such a businessman and manager. Why, oh, God. why couldn't he delve into the medical industry and pull on the strands and detangle it and straighten it out and get it moving like, uh, like a well-oiled machine that actually helps people. Companies can still make money. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we pay our taxes every every month, every week, the government takes that money, puts it in, a, in an account, and makes interest off that. And then mm-hmm. they give you a refund at the end of the year. But mm-hmm. they still made all the interest on that. Why can't, mm-hmm. when I pay into a car insurance every every week, every month, if, if I don't use that insurance, why can't I get a refund on that? They still make money off of the interest. And if I'm already paid up one year, why do I need to pay you the next year? So once I pay one year, I don't have to pay insurance again because they have the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I get what you're saying with that. And I would counter with, you know, you pay for a year, but you're not just paying for that year's coverage. You're paying for what could happen next year. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that, you know, even with car insurance, let's say that you're paying $1,200 a year and you're like, Oh, well I, you know, I had, didn't have anything happen, but right. you know, next, next, uh, next year, you have an accident that ends up, you know, maiming someone and you have to apply that $10,000 deductible and then, you know, on, on medical, you know, the $500,000 policy or hmm. whatever you, your state might require you to carry. Oh, so agree. suddenly, you know, that $1,200 that you've paid has now cost the insurance company half a million bucks. Fuck yeah, I like that idea. I like that a lot. But, but the insurance company doesn't because, because that's, you know, you're paying for that continuing coverage, but the difference between, you know, your auto coverage and your health insurance coverages is that, you know, the average person isn't, you know, having uh, a $50,000 a year, you know, in a medical situation every year, but we're paying as though each individual one of us is. Hmm. But, you know, it's just you're paying, you're paying for C-suites, you're paying for office buildings, you're paying for, yeah. you know, 
you're paying so many different middlemen in this situation that by the time, you know, it gets back down to your local doctor to get their insurance, to get that insurance money, they're even getting it at a fraction of what their services actually cost them. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, is that they can charge you more, a little bit more, or even a little bit less because, you know, cash today is better than cash 90 days from today. That's for sure. That always is. <laughs> yeah. And, and so... Then, but the, the other thing was uh, Donald Trump had said he actually lowered pre prescription prices, and I haven't, I haven't seen that. And then that led me to this curious thing where there's this pandemic going on, and companies are like losing money and making deals, and, and prescriptions aren't going down at all. Walgreens isn't offering me rebates or deals or uh, coupons, you know what I mean? And so... I'm going to leave you with that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. So this whole executive order about whether or not Trump has lowered prescription drug prices is really a, just a crock. He did not lower prescription drug prices. What Trump has done is sign an executive order saying that, you know, the you know, national health, you know, services um, can, uh, can explore uh, finding ways in which they can lower prescription drug prices. And that includes, you know, looking at the costs that other countries pay for prescription drug prices and, or be able to buy from those areas. That's something that funny enough, Senator John McCain had actually talked about. It's like, why is it that, you know, why is it that, you know, a prescription costs $30 in Canada, but 500 in America, and, you know, you had someone on the FDA sitting there going, oh, well, you know, they don't have this, that, and the other. And McCain looks at him and goes, sir, Canada is not a third world country. You're, stop blowing smoke up my ass. You know, it's, 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 it's bullshit. You know, the American people have gotten raked over the coals for prescription drug costs while all these other countries have not. Right. And so, you know, I don't blame these other countries for having the mechanisms that they have had to keep their prescription drug prices low. Okay. You and know, you don't, you don't think that's unfair to the, I think, I think that, I think that by Congress not intervening sooner in the whole issue of what drug prices are, it's been an absolute mess. And it's one that the American people, you know, we've funded a lot of other people's healthcare simply because we're the ones that are paying the high prices that are R and D costs. <sighs> and I, and that's just bullshit. You know? free, free market society says that they should, I mean, they created it, they designed it, they bought yeah. it, they, they purchased the rights to it, they should be able to make the money they want. I think it's disgusting, by the way. You know, insulin, something that was made to be free was bought and now mm -hmm. it costs a fortune. Things like that is just, it's scary. Oh, absolutely. In a free market but, society where we believe in choice, you know, they have the choice to do that, no? Yeah, and, and that's exactly it, is, is that, you know, the we have the choice to buy prescription medications in a way that is going to be most cost-effective for us. What we have done is legislated that we can only buy it from one source, mm. and that has been right. done through lobbying, rather than being able to be like, you know what, Canada's got the same meds that we've got, let's be able, let's open it up so that way we can buy from Canada. We have intentionally reduced competition. Yep is what we have done through, through legislation. And we are paying the price for that. And so now, you know, 
broken clock is right twice a day <laughs> by opening by Trump signing the executive order for us to be able to explore buying prescription drugs from other countries. Yep. Now the drug makers are going to have to be in a competition against themselves, essentially in other countries. Right. Because they manufacture in other countries, but then right. distribute it here. And since it's distributed here, they can get full market price. Exactly. So now, so, you know, I, what you will see, and this is where, you know, market equilibrium will find itself. You'll see prices probably come up in other countries, but our prices will eventually drop. Right. No, I, it just, I agree. It, it isn't here. It isn't here now. He hasn't lowered anything yet. Nothing has been done that has changed the way that this is working. Right. But the deal with Canada and Mexico was pretty heavy in its um, prescription manufacturing language. I can't remember exactly how, but people mm -hmm. were criticizing it because it it offered incentives to prescription manufacturers, and I can't remember how. But mm -hmm. I, I see where that would be. He's trying to open markets up, and that's what he does, you know. And I mean, yep. I'm okay with that. But we need quality assurance, so you can't gut things like, you know, uh, Food and Drug Administration or the CDC and things like that. Well, and 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 like I've said, when it comes to you know the cons you know the the GOP, it's not that they you know spend less money in their government; they just change the priorities of spending in the government, exactly. and that's it. Exactly. Exactly. I had so. I I had an argument with a friend and he said, well, I believe in smaller government. And I was like, well, then who does that leave out? And he was like, what? And I was like, well, smaller government protects less. What is it that gets unprotected? And he's like, well, it's your idea. And I was like, bigger government, bigger, giving us everything and drawing money from stock dividends and corporations taxes and people don't get taxed. And he's like, that's crazy. Who's going to run that? And I said, everybody <laughs> <laughs> you know and and you know as as someone like me you know what i see is uh, what i see is you know one more you know middleman that's going to you know take more money and make everything cost more and mm. uh, because to me it's you know whether it's the federal government or whether it's an insurance company all you're doing is is putting in one more middleman mm. and that to me is where I think, you know, there, there are systems of efficiency in which, you know, having government involvement works mm -hmm. and there are systems of efficiency where individual market works, but it has to be a balance. I mean, in the end, it's that, you know, being someone who falls on the libertarian spectrum, it's, it, you know, for me, it's, you know, I'm not one of the extreme cases where we need to just straight up abolish the federal government. But there's a lot of places where the government is involved that they shouldn't be. And oh, I agree. I agree with that. And unfortunately, you know, you know, unfortunately, I, as I like to tell people, it's that most of the time it's not hurting white people, not white white men, anyways. Right. You know, most of the time we're the ones that you know. Yeah, I think if if there's ever been a case of why you know, the government is what it is, you know, and why it's too powerful. Donald Trump is the first president, I would say, that has absolutely made the case as to why the federal government is too powerful. Hmm. I think he's made the case for why it's unnecessary. Him and Mitch McConnell, that's their goal. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, unfortunately, you know, everybody wants to think that, oh, the Democrats are the ones that are going to, nope. To me, it's the Republican Party has shown me exactly why the federal government is too powerful. 
And they believe in states' rights. So this is within their norm and their beliefs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not... I always say that Donald Trump is a giant douchebag, and I don't like him for that. But his policies are fairly Republican. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't. Oh, absolutely. I don't like them, but they're fairly Republican, and that's they because are. he's not actually making these decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, long-time conservative and Republicans are behind the scenes, and yep. you know you can hear like a Stephen Miller and how he's this young racist, and that's true. And mm-hmm. it's, it's sad that a man like that would be around somebody with early onset dementia because mm-hmm. it just feeds these stories in that are repeated in the head and believed mm-hmm. by the president when they're just not true. And so, but everything else is, I mean, Mitch McConnell, he's a Republican. Don McCann, he's a Republican. They, mm-hmm. They're the ones that made the judge list. I mean, Donald Trump wanted Rudy Giuliani or Marco Rubio, you know, so... <laughs> It's not him. It's not him. He's the distraction, you know? Uh, absolutely. You know? So, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. I just, you know, the, it, it, to me, it's like, you know, I get why I get why people like the idea of big government. I just see it as, I see it as an insurance agency with just one more level of management that we end up having to pay for. Of course, of course. That really doesn't add value. That's my problem is is the whole value-added system. At least, you know, where I can argue that, you know, know, where at least I'm getting my money's worth in an insurance company is that if I call, I get to talk to a real person. If I have a problem, it gets escalated to a real person. You know, unfortunately, there's just so many levels of real people that are costing me real money that, you know, I get $200, I get a $200 off coupon on top of the, you know, the $12,000 that I've paid for coverage and the now $1,800 I have to pay on top of that. Right. And the federal government is really no different. And there's another level of care out there. You know, that's what, I, that's my point. What you just went through, not everybody has to go through that. There's, there's hundreds of levels of care that you just might randomly fall in success of. I had Aflac for a while and four eye surgeries. They paid me over 10 grand, you know, two for each surgery. That was awesome. And I was so lucky I had Aflac, you know, I don't right. know. You know? <laughs> right. You know, and, 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 and I think that's just one of those things like, you know, we have the ability to make make things cost less at a federal level because the federal government has more buying power than any individual corporation is going to have period end of story. Mm-hmm. They have more money, they have more leverage. Yeah. But in terms of, in terms of being able to keep costs down at an individual level, your, your doctor's office and your surgery, your, your local departments are going to be able to try and get the best prices, have, mm-hmm. you know, the best negotiated costs yep. at their level. Makes and so it's happen. really, it's a hybrid system. You have to have, you have to leverage the federal government's ability to buy things. You have to leverage an individual company's ability to manage their cost reduction yeah. within their own system. And I think that by, if we switched it to a cash payment type system, hmm. like a, like a federal HSA system where, you know, we individually get to keep a majority of our money for our own 
purposes in terms of healthcare, but still contribute to a general fund so that way there is healthcare, you know, money available for healthcare for people who cannot afford it, then what you will see is an overall reduction in the cost of healthcare. But you have to embrace a hybrid system. Maybe I just I worry about that that we end up shopping around for prices and going to Kmart for our for our uh, surgeries because it's the lowest price but not the best quality. Uh, we do that right now, anyways. If you think I know about that's, it, that's my point. I don't want to. I don't want to stay in a different version of that. You know. You know, we basically, you know, even if you're on Medicare, what you know, once again, yeah. that goes back to, you know, you're working with people who have bid the lowest costs to the federal government. That does not mean that you are getting the quality of care that you no. need. No, I know that. You know, you can only refer one one problem when you're on Medicare, you can go to the doctor and only mention one thing. You can't, yep. you can't bring up two things. Yep. You have to schedule a second appointment for that. Yep. So there's, there's these little scams, little ways that everybody's making money off of me, but I agree. I think, I think everybody's making money off of me and that's fine if I'm taken care of, but if I'm not taken care of, fuck you, I need my money. If, if people, if people make money off of me, but I'm able to get well and be functional, yes. then, then it's like, well, yeah, I can, I can complain about the cost, but it's the fact that there are so many people who are still sick that are mm -hmm. still in pain that are still not better yeah, and they are still raking money over the coals for you. You know, it's just, but that's know. why, that's why there's so many people using the system that don't have insurance that we're supplementing their, mm -hmm. in their emergency care for our non-care. We don't go Absolutely. to the, we still pay our premium, but that year it was for somebody else that just went to the hospital because they had to. And those right. people would, the, the hybrid method might be for those poor people to just do the Medicare for all and get them, get them healthy and get them in a routine of seeing a doctor every four mm -hmm. months. And because I think, I think especially with a libertarian mind, you have to understand that equilibrium is a lot of, a lot of death. And, <laughs> you know I mean? Right, right. And, 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 and that's, and unfortunately, what I'm seeing right now is a lot of death simply because of the vast amount of inefficiencies that exist. Yeah, because there's you a know, vacuum sucking all of the resources upwards and not keeping it at a level. Because and that's we, we and that's why I think that you know, when you see it dispersed at that lower level, like I was talking about, I you know like you said, it's going to be a it would be a difficult transition. But in the long run, I think you would you would keep more people alive for a lot less. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's the short term thing that I I think is just funny. Yeah, it's it's it, well, and and people made the same argument when it came to the ACA that, oh my God, it's going to be so expensive and it's going to be so hard, and we managed somehow there. So the idea that we wouldn't be able to transition from like a like an ACA style cost to a, uh, you know, a, an individual style system is it's a moot point. Right. It happens regardless. It's just that I think that one way it costs us a lot less money than the other. Well, yeah, because people are still dying every day because they don't have insurance or they have bad insurance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's just trickle down, uh, trickle down Medicare, trickle, Trick, trickle down trick, healthcare. You know, trickle down politics. Trickle down politics. I think <laughs> trickle, that's. I think that's probably economics. <laughs> I think that's probably my favorite. My favorite uh, new new term that we've we've created is trickle down politics. Yeah. 
It is. So, it's crippled trickle down Medicare. Cripple oh. it's crippled down politics. Cripple, I mean crippled down healthcare. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that, that's really what's happening right now. And and it's really unfortunate because we do have a we do have good health care available. It's just mm. that it's become so red taped that yeah. it's it's people aren't able to get the level of care that they should be getting. Or they have to do this massive amount of research and keep up on like numbers and and it's this weird paper dance between different agencies and it's this this waltz sucks yeah (laughs) this waltz this waltz you know especially when your whole point is you know being able to get out there and get back to work if you have a system that is not getting people that is not just dedicated to getting people better as fast as they can Mm. by putting in the money now. So that way they're not, you know, still at home sick months, years, decades later. Yeah. You know, that's how you end up with a a system that costs way too much money rather than being like, all right, rather than dealing with one thing, give me the list. Let's start seeing what we can knock down because who's to say that out of the five things that you have, four of them aren't just related to the other. And so instead of treating five different symptoms, you treat two things because one is causing these other four. Or something is causing something because they're not taking the medication because they can't afford it because they just made rent. And now you have an ulcer because you're not taking your Nexium, but that's relating to something else a, a blood right. disease or and it, it expands that way yeah and i want to yep. say that we we can't go without mentioning the def, definite def, the redefining of the word pre-existing condition and mm-hmm. how it is simply being a woman or having covid or having mm-hmm. to breathe air might be a pre-existing condition you know what i mean well, and, and I think that one of the things that is, is has to be part of the national conversation is, is that at this point, who doesn't have a pre-existing condition? Yeah. You know, whether or not you know you have a pre-existing condition is, is completely irrelevant. It's that, you know, the idea is, is that whether I have something or not shouldn't matter. The point is, is that, you know, in order for me to be a productive member of society, I have to be well. And if you are going to exclude covering and taking care of the things that are going to get me well, I can't be a productive member of society. So in the long run, the cost of you funding me sitting on the couch is greater than had you just put the money in to get me well and get me back to work, you know? And, and I think that's where fundamentally this line of thinking has to shift. It's, it's, you, you know, you don't go change your, you don't change your oil simply because, you know, it's, it's, it's a critical matter right at that moment. Right. You do, it's a preventative maintenance tactic in order to keep you from having a critical matter. You know, nobody wants to have to just piecemeal things, but we do certain things because the ultimate cost of having to go for something major is far greater than had I just spent 50 bucks getting my oil changed. That's right. Before healthcare is no different. Healthcare is no different. It is preventative maintenance and taking care of the things that come up. So that way you can keep running for the long term. So you can keep being a productive member of society and keep doing work. If you're waiting until you have to drop a new engine in it, that means you're doing it wrong (laughs) and it's costing you more in the long run. Yeah. And I, so I think I, I always say that I, a medication is a bandaid, but um, a routine is the future. And so I always want to meet a nutritionist. I think they we should be referred to more nutritionists and more. um, Absolutely. More. 
mental health care? I don't want to say psychiatrist, psychologist, maybe just somebody to talk to. Um, a lot of people, you know, it, we call it, uh, we called it behavioral health, you know, just so that way it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not just mental health. It's about everything. It's about, you know, how you're living your daily life, you know, right. what can be done better, different, you know, everybody wants to think that, you know, you know, behavioral health is just, you know, substance abuse or, or just, uh, you know, pe for people who have depression, really, you know, behavioral health is for anybody who's, you know, struggling with long-term, you know, issues like depression to somebody who lost a close friend or family member who's really struggling with that. Yeah. You know, keeping people from slipping into the abyss is what we've got to be focused on. Agreed. Why do we wait until they're, they fall down? Because the, it's, up, it's a know? cost thing. Everybody, everybody's like, well, if we cheap out on this now, maybe we won't have to spend the money later. Hmm. No, that in the history of, in the history of ever, that rarely ever works. Right. Plan you cheap out on it fall now. behind. Exactly. And unfortunately we're in fall behind mode. Here we are. That sucks. And we're never going to catch up, are we? Not, not unless things change. And, no. and, and until, until we take a more proactive approach to legislation in regards to things like medications and medical care and all of this other stuff, until we make proactive care, mm. you know, what, what people get reimbursed for, you'll never see this change and you're, but you are starting to see it like with uh, you know, for example, with the Medicare system now in rural Clint, uh, rural health is, is that they're not going to pay you just to see people now. Right. It's like, unless you're getting people well, your reimbursement stays low. I love that. I do love that. It should be tied in some way to the health of your patients. You know what I mean? So. That's awesome. Thank you for being here. I think we're out of time, you know. Yep. I only get you an hour a week. That's <laughs> But we got it. We got it. All right. I'm just going to do some wrapping up. So that's thanks for being here, Jeffrey. Awesome. Let's no do it again next week. Let's do it. Public Access America, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Smart Radio app. You can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter at Public Access Pod, Instagram at Public Access America. And you can find some amazing live streams now on Public Access America at um, on Facebook, as well as Adam Has a Beard, Denton County Collective, and Florida Action Podcast is going to get a Facebook page this weekend. So I'm looking forward to all the stuff we're doing. Thanks for listening, and uh, come back next week to listen to even more. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things about.
Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take it and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Podcast for Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 